0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to my show, Elderhood, Aging Gracefully. Thank you so much for joining me. I extend to you uh, an Hawaiian spirit of aloha. And a Hawaiian spirit of aloha means that we all share in one breath, we share in one endeavor. And I'm glad to have you here sharing in this endeavor with me. Um, A a man named, Wilbur Butler Yeats, I think was his name, also said something similar. He said, you know, there are no strangers here. They're only friends we have yet to meet. And that's the way I consider all of us too, especially as I do my online coaching, friends that I only have yet to meet. So I'm glad you're here to start that relationship. I hope you'll follow through. And if there's an interest that you have in coaching, personal coaching online, contact me with Larry G at live-connections.com. I'll repeat that later. I'm also serving as, here in Hawaii, on Honolulu and the Oahu Island, as chaplain with um, with Bristol Hospice Hawaii. And I'm proud of Bristol Hospice Hawaii because I think they live their tagline, which is, which is uh, uh, living a reverence for life. We really do share in a reverence for life at Bristol Hospice. And we're joined together in this mission of providing the highest level of compassion and personal care and, and medical care for our families and friends and terminally ill patients across, across the island of Oahu in, in their homes and in facilities. But in addition to my chaplaincy work, I also do the online, on the online coaching for personal life and faith, I'm particularly focused on elderhood. You know, we have a childhood, we have adolescence, we have an adulthood, and most of us don't want to talk about it, but we have an elderhood. And I look at it as a stage because looking at it as a stage of life gives an opportunity for us to think about the tasks that are involved. Just as there are tasks involved in growing and maturing in childhood, adolescence, and adulthood, <clears throat> there are tasks particular, I believe, particularly applicable, Uh, for our consideration in adulthood, or in elderhood, excuse me. And so I have five spiritual tasks that I have identified that are, they kind of come up in our lives. They they insist on being uh, considered. And if we pay attention to them and respond to them, I believe we can make our elderhood really real and wonderful. And so my coaching is to enable people to do that because I have a passion for life and living fully until I die. (laughs) And so I'm committed to that, and I want to be with people in in making that happen as well in their own lives. So the five spiritual tasks that you see here are grieving. The first, we've touched on that in our first uh, program here. The second is sorting out stories. There are stories that we sort out that tell us who we are. By which we tell ourselves who we are, and we can sometimes rewrite those stories and create a new life. It's really a, a powerful, powerful tool. The third is forgiving. <clears throat> we touched on this the past Friday. We will be in, and we are engaged in forgiving because it just becomes a personal human need. It's not necessarily a solely a religious uh, tenet or a religious uh, demand. it's something that comes up from within that we need to. We need to wipe the slate clean. We need to get forgiveness and give forgiveness. The fourth thing is preparation. And by preparation, I'm thinking of the external preparations. We have an exterior, external life. We have wills. We have uh, finances. We have preparations for how we're going to uh, have medical care done, uh, what kind of options we have. We want to research all of that, and that's going to be very extensive in this program, take up many, uh, many Tuesdays. And then there's an internal preparation also that goes on. What do we, how do we handle that internal life, that interior life, and what comes up in the interior life as we move through this stage of life? It's very much important, and I want to focus on that today. The last one is letting go, another powerful, um, powerful event to consider. But to focus on the preparation today, and particularly internal preparation, I've asked one of my colleagues, Chaplain Stephen Prusinski, if he'll join at the table. Stephen, welcome. Wow. Thanks so Very much good. for being here. Yes, and thanks for having me on your show today. You're welcome. Stephen and I have uh, had a special bond, a special relationship as we work together providing spiritual care to our patients, terminally ill, and to their families, mm-hmm. and offering it to them. One of the things about preparation is that I'm concerned about, it, Stephen, is that people don't get a chance to see the internal workings of some of these institutions. I mean, even hospitals, we don't really see the internal workings necessarily. We may go to a hospital and get treatment, but then we leave. But we don't always get to see the whole system. And hospice care is a unique opportunity mm-hmm. for people in, in, the, uh, in this time of life. Um, <clears throat> to have a particular kind of, of, of medical treatment, medical care that goes on. Palliative is the word we often use. But, um, and in that, the subset of spiritual care is even less yeah. well-known. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to invite you to, to share with our audience some thoughts about that. But would you begin, please, by introducing yourself and your skill base and your uh experience in spiritual care
1: sure sure thank you uh first off i'd like to say i am truly living my dream as a chaplain that's great i had a former career as an engineer i moved uh, from wisconsin to uh, arizona did clinical training i did seminary training and uh, i had a series of events that really helped make me feel led and empowered to be right where i'm sitting Today. Cool. So it's been a wonderful journey and we have a saying in chaplaincy you really can't help somebody else go further than you yourself have gone and uh, in- inwardly and to understand what's involved with that. So I've had about 18 years working in hospitals and nursing homes, uh, retirement communities and then it's really been this last year that's been specifically hospice and as you say uh, I agree that very much in hospitals uh, The clinical path is to keep you alive. It's to do extraordinary measures. Uh, I was working at Mayo Clinic where they had world-class doctors there that would do all sorts of transplants. Uh, Also at a tertiary hospital in Arizona. Um, Worked at Banner Health, which is a big system between some states. Mm. And then when we moved to uh, Hawaii, was also uh, the chaplain at uh, the main main psych hospital uh, for Hawaii. Yes. So I had a real background uh, in, uh, in psych, and now this last year has been in hospice. And as it pertains to elder care, uh, it's uh, very important. I've had really uh, years of experience working with senior adults, and it's all uh, contributed towards me moving forward and helping seniors move forward through these very facets that you're describing.
0: And Stephen, uh, you were a chaplain at, um, a retirement community here on the island? Yes. Which yeah. one?
1: So uh, I spent almost a year at Pohanani um, and, and prior to that I, when I helped pastor in retirement communities also for homeless shelters. Uh, it's been real broad.
0: Wide range of, of population, yes. people in wide range of situations. That's great. Great background experience and all of which really is present, those same populations are present in the hospice hospice care. Yes. So spirituality, what is spirituality?
1: Well, you know, it's fun. If you went into the dictionary, you would probably maybe find nine or 10 definitions. (laughs) And uh, it's, so I wanted to bring up an aspect that would be easier, I think, to understand. Uh, Spirituality, it's uh, just like we have a body uh, the doctors take care of our physical health, and maybe you see a counselor or psychologist for your mental health. Well, in chaplaincy, we believe we have a spirit. And so, chaplaincy and spiritual care are about how we care for our spirit. And specifically, today, as we go through the different uh, stages or phases of life, uh, spiritual in, spirituality in general has to do with uh, a sense of how we make meaning overall. We all are wearing a pair of glasses where we have a worldview. And in that worldview, uh, we have beliefs, we have passions, we have values that are really uh, emanate out of our beliefs. Uh, we develop attitudes of which you know we, we create a life. We also assign meaning to symbols. Uh, spirituality also has to do with the things that are transcendent, things that are above and beyond us. Uh, uh, for example, like nature, some, some folks connect with nature and, and that's the, I think the last piece is it has to do with the, uh, of how we connect in relationships. How do I connect with myself? How do I connect with those around me? And in, in, with, when it comes to transcendence, how do I connect, as some say, a higher power, a divine being? Mm-hmm. So, um, and when we, do, when we do our work as spiritual practitioners, we are really assessing for the degree of how a person is connected inwardly. Uh, Maybe the short definition of spiritual care would be how a person we we come alongside or enter into their journey to help them find strength, inner strength. So the doctors and the nurses, the healthcare is fixing, working on the uh, the body. Yet uh, in Japanese, we like to say we are spiritual beings having a
0: physical sort of experience. So stephen if i am uh, coming into hospice care and i am a um, latter day saint or am i i am a um what um some, uh, denomination that's that's not you're not familiar you're not go- are you going to talk to me about your denomination uh no i'm as a as a board
1: certified or a chaplain we are trained to be uh, inner faith And what that means is our work is to inductively play detective on how you make meaning. And, and so you mentioned uh, one religion. Mm-hmm. You could look at the major religions of the world. And so a religion is really like a subset of spirituality. Uh-huh. Uh, it has doctrines and has specific ways a person believes that they um, make meaning and they have rituals. As a chaplain, we honor those. Uh, I'm, I'm ordained, you're ordained, we have to have ecclesiastical endorsement to be where we are. Uh, yet we're there to journey with them, to help them often validate their pain and assess the spiritual connectedness that they do have, or even sometimes help them discover what it is um, and, to, and to find that inner strength to get through whatever it is they're going through. And in, in hospice, uh, it does involve uh, a lot of suffering for not only the patients, but the families.
0: So, so you're coming alongside to help me figure out how I'm making meaning, how I'm using my resources internally to make meaning out of what's going on in my life. Is that right? This is true. However,
1: we understand they're not thinking that. Uh, we do our work often without folks even knowing it. So, um, and and yet by the time we're done with our visit, uh, we've basically established a relationship, uh, which begins to develop trust Mm -hmm. that we can be with them. And often they will begin to, what I say, open the virgin soil of their heart about things that are deeply meaningful to them Mm -hmm. and they're trying to firm that up because perhaps their their struggles or pain uh, is testing their previous beliefs or assumptions about reality
0: there, there are somewhere between 15 and 20 different practices of buddhism on the island mm-hmm. and um are you comfortable going into a buddhist family for oh, no. sure sure so we serve with uh, a training and, and it doesn't mean
1: I'm an expert Buddhist. It doesn't mean um, if I'm with a shaman who's in the bed that I um, have to know everything they do. No, what what I'm tuning into though, um, I'm working with um, a Buddhist patient right now who um, basically is name only, and she likes to keep it that way, and she likes to really just talk about her family. Our work is to go where we're invited, where a person is asking for more exploration if they're very content uh then we're we're with them in that so yes there's a myriad of buddhist denominations Mm -hmm. i'm aware of um if i was at a buddhist uh, person who died recently at the bedside that um we're we're there to
0: be with them in in that moment wonderful we have a we're going to take a minute break and then return i'm uh, going to ask stephen to get a little more specific about some examples of spiritual care in hospice. Thanks, Stephen. Aloha, my name is Becky Sampson, and I'm the host of It's About Time on the Think Tech Hawaii, a digital nonprofit organization that's raising public awareness. Join us on Wednesday at 2 p.m. where we talk about real issues. Some of the topics will include entrepreneurship, health, life skills, and growing your business once again, this is Becky Sampson on It's About Time, on Wednesday at 2 p.m. on ThinkTech Hawaii. Mahalo.
1: Aloha, this is Rob Hack. My show is Exporting from Hawaii. Every other Thursday from 12 to 12.30 p.m., where I bring in people involved in the entire exporting infrastructure in Hawaii, including government, academia, and manufacturers and shippers themselves. Please join me every other Thursday, 12 to 12.30 p.m. on exporting from Hawaii. Mahalo.
0: Welcome back to Elderhood, aging gracefully, and I wanna give my thanks to, to Think Tech Hawaii and the wonderful job that they do, all the staff here, all the equipment, everything is is given really a gift to the community and gives the intellectual community here an opportunity to think about things that otherwise we might not get a chance to explore. So, thank you to them for providing this and thank you to you for joining with me and with Stephen this morning, to, or with this afternoon, to explore the internal life and internal preparation for our life for elderhood and our journey through elderhood. Uh, it strikes me, Stephen, that. Um, Most people think they really don't need any kind of spiritual help. Now, some people have a great deal of background in spiritual life. Um, I had one friend, you know, the the phrase that's popular these days is, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Mm -hmm. I have one friend who's a pastor in in Denver, Colorado, who used to say, I'm not very spiritual, but I am religious. And, and the, the two go together, and certainly when we have, I've, my position is when we have any kind of religious exposure, it affects our inner life, our orientation, our sense of making meaning and transcendence. But I wondered if you would more specifically focus in now on sharing a description of just general terms, nothing personal, but it, I mean, no, no names, of course, but something that's about a spiritual care experience that you've been involved in in hospice care.
1: Okay. Well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, just gonna use the one I had yesterday. Good. Uh, I've had somewhere over 130,000 visits and encounters with patients and families. Uh, and, uh, and before I describe how this works, uh, I would say as a board-certified chaplain, we, we need to uh, go through a commissioning a written and oral a uh, certification process that involves demonstrating competency in 31 competencies that involve, it breaks down everything that you're talking about, age stage development, psychologically and spiritually. We look at uh, how we begin a relationship. How do we, how do we bring a closure to a relationship? How do we honor and respect the person's different worldviews? Maybe their religion or their brand of spirituality is something that might cause an internal reaction within me. Does that mean I still am able to be present? And if not, do I need to get another professional chaplain? Uh, so th- there's, there's a series of competencies to work through to truly uh, be able to be present with a person. So I'll give you um, an example. I, I think in chaplaincy, uh, I'm gonna resist saying a typical example yeah. because we know better. <laughs>
0: There is no typical.
1: The first rule in in chaplaincy is we don't assume. The moment, and I tested this and it was true. The moment I assumed, I was wrong. (laughs) Okay, so so we do have uh, our preparation before we begin a relationship, have a visit, is to be a blank slate. It's really to wipe the board clean and go in and truly be with this person in a non-judgmental way, and hopefully we create the context of unconditional regard in love, Mm -hmm. because we feel this is. Uh, evidence shows that this is the environment that helps people be relaxed and begin to open up to what they believe or what is their concern. So because we're in a clinical setting, we have competencies, then we have, uh, we identify spiritual needs, we identify a person's spiritual, uh, spirituality through assessment, and then based on uh, what we see the needs and assessment is, we craft interventions based on evidence-based outcomes.
0: Um, palliative care is palliative, the word palliative means to cover. So palliative care covers pain. And we think of it mostly, of course, as opioids or, or something to cover the, uh, cover the pain of the physical pain. What about spiritual pain? What does spiritual pain look like?
1: Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think uh, the long and short of it is, as we do our assessment, we're following the pain trail. We're listening for where are those connections between myself, my relationship with others, and my higher power, uh, where there's been breaks, uh, where have there's been breakdowns of that. Uh, where you find those breaks is most often where you'll find a, a level of distress, uh, of separation, something. Uh, maybe between a loved one maybe especially for seniors as they've lost their significant other of many many years they feel like a part of me is gone part of my identity Um, but we're looking we're we're sensitive to that and then how do they uh, recovery involves a part of letting go and also finding how do their beliefs their spiritual beliefs support them in that will they so for some in the Christian world, they believe, well, I'll at least see my, my spouse, my significant other, again, um, as we grieve. It gives them a source of hope. Hope is part of our spirituality. Um,
0: I've seen that there are four basic stories in human culture about afterlife. And I don't mean to, to jump to afterlife necessarily, but in terms of preparation, one of the things we think about is what is gonna be after I'm dead? Mm-hmm. Um, one is that there's nothing after the, in afterlife. Second is that we live on in the legacy that we leave of, uh, uh, of people remembering us, of people. There was a village in Kenya that said, as long as one person in our village remembers you, you're still alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a notion of, of a total rebirth or reincarnation or revivification of the body, a resurrection mm-hmm. motif. And then finally, there is uh, going to live with God in eternity or with a divine presence. So somewhere, in, I, I find that all of, our, all of my patients fall within those four uh-huh. stories, narratives, in some way, if, sure. they, if they've given any thought to it. But then one of the things that's so great about uh, your experience, even with people, is that you give them a chance to explore that, where they are in those mm-hmm. stories.
1: Sure, sure. and. Um what's part of the journey, if you will, of spirituality itself, of how it unfolds. Uh, and, and I'll just back up when I'm doing an assessment, I am thinking, is this person spiritually at risk? Or, or do they have, a, sometimes i chart, they have a robust spirituality. They have experience that's really working for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes, um, i remember the, the first time I had a sudden infant death syndrome baby, Ooh. a beautiful little three month old who died in a mm. uh, horribly difficult, to be with the family and grandparents yeah. came in, uh, extreme pain, certainly everyone's beliefs were being tested that day. Mm-hmm. And and I sat with them, and this was in the beginning of my clinical training, and of course, I felt inept inwardly for me, my own story was playing. Uh, and yet at the end of the visit, the patients, uh, the family, uh, rather the parents, I sat with them and, and asked them, I said, really, I said, how may I, how may I be of support? Yeah. And I had been present and uh, hadn't quite realized that just my presence with them, without yeah. offering trite phrases or, or somehow some antidote for how to fix this. What um, they said to me, uh, no chaplain, um, we're atheists, and we believe our, our child has gone to a better place. Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting to me, and I'm gonna use this as an example, uh-huh. because in spirituality, spirituality is as part of us that we're we're also trying to understand that we're yeah. coming to terms with and it informs our worldview it informs how we make meaning and sometimes that gets tested So for them uh, an atheist is traditionally a person who says very um concretely there is no god an ag- agnostic says well there might be maybe there isn't i don't know i'm working it out mm-hmm. so they had moved from being atheist to agnostic because they through the this pain of the death of their child they they now knew experientially, no, oh, there's something greater
0: mm-hmm.
1: without even knowing it. Yet, As chaplains, we pay attention to those kinds of yeah. things.
0: I like what you say about it being a part of us and we're working it out. It's, it's a given. I mean, our assumption is it's a given, and I don't say everyone agrees with that, but we are alert, and I do this in my coaching, to be alert to the fact that it is a given. Their spiritual life is a given, and my clients, my patients, Mm-hmm. are working out to discover what its significance is. Very good. And, and how they, well, I, you said it beautifully. I, I think that's the givenness of it and being alert to the givenness of it, puts us in a position of, of service and servanthood that we, uh, that not many
1: other people will get into that position. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I would add, so for us, one of the outcomes that we're looking for is an increased sense of love. When we talk about these connections Uh, love and surrender. These are things that when we've done our interventions, hopefully we're gonna see a little bit more of that. And Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna tie it back now to the elderhood and seniors. So often seniors um, have so many losses. They just have so many losses, spouses, good friends. Mm -hmm. uh, Sometimes uh, they're feeling all alone, Mm -hmm. even though they have children there. And like with the person I was with yesterday, they feel, now I'm a burden my children mm-hmm. and the children love them and and there can sometimes be a separation from themselves because I don't want to be a burden to anyone right and we want to help close that gap we want to be present with them in a way that they can realize no you're still you're of extreme value you are lovable mm-hmm. and and though things have changed your life has changed you're experiencing these losses um, we're there to be with them that we validate that pain uh, help them to understand, know what you're experiencing. It's painful, and and we're with them in it in a way that really dignifies their humanity. Yeah. to realize they're worth loving.
0: So the experience of pain is an opening to the uh, faith. It's an opening to the spirit. It's an opening to that internal life that otherwise. We may not pay much attention to. Thanks, Stephen. Thank mm. you so much. We're having to close now. It's going to um, be. It's been a wonderful, wonderful uh, show with you, and thank you so much for your help. Really appreciate oh, you coming. Appreciate being on the show. The show will be on in two weeks again. Next two weeks of from this Tuesday, two o'clock Hawaii time, and I will welcome you back then with Aloha spirit, the spirit of Hawaii. Thank you so much being a part of this and come back join us again we've only begun to scratch the surface of these six these five uh, important spiritual tasks